Welcome to the Same Side Selling Podcast. I am your host, Ian Altman. On this episode, a lot of what I hear from people is, hey, I'd like to hear about people who are using Same Side Selling, what it's doing for their business. And um, we have some Jedi masters in the Same Side Selling arts with us today, um, some selling superstars from Precision Air Convey. They've been part of the Same Side Selling Academy for coming up on two years now. We've got Kevin Bach and Eric Keebler with us. I know that Kevin is the director of technical sales, the organization. He's the one who's, I guess, gets the blame for bringing them into the Same Side Selling Academy. And uh, Eric has been subjected to it by, uh, by Kevin and the team. So gentlemen, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us, Sam. Really appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having us. You betcha. So Kevin or Eric, either one of you can start. Tell us a little bit about Precision Air Convey and um, kind of who you guys serve and what the business is. Sure. So Precision Air Convey is a engineering company that designs in pneumatic trim and waste removal systems for manufacturers. So we will serve the label markets, label manufacturing, paper manufacturing, film and sheet, extrusion, and packaging companies. So where we our systems will pneumatically convey waste away from their production machine so they can have continuous operation and maximize their uptime. So in essence, for the for the layman, for the layman, it's this idea of if you're cutting labels and things like that, there's that excess trim that sits around it that doesn't just magically disappear, but you guys make it appear that it does magically disappear and then gets recycled and re and repurposed and whatever it is and disposed of in a way that doesn't impact their production. Is that almost close? Nail on the head. Nail on the okay. head. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. So I'm glad that I was able to uh, I was able to come up with that. So that's great. And so I'd love to get a sense of kind of the the journey or your experience in maybe how things worked before, how things work now, and and actually maybe even just get like Eric's perspective on what are the elements in same side selling that you use today that you notice make a difference in how you interact with your clients or potential clients? Sure, absolutely. So uh, you asked about the, the journey, how we got here. And we have, since I've started with Precision Air Convey a little over three years ago, we started, we had a, a, an established program. There was a process and, and that fits very well for me. Now, since joining the Academy, we have tweaked some things in the process. We have replaced some things in the process. Things have changed as we saw some benefits to, to adjusting the way we were doing things. Personally, what I see as the most useful tools uh, are the quadrants. And I find that when I, when I remember to use the quadrants, they work really well for me. And I'm getting better and better at that. It, it took a little bit of, uh, of trying, but uh, I use them almost every time now. The pyramid is really great also when we're talking to to new prospective clients. So those are those are a couple of the things that have really been very useful tools as far as I'm concerned. And then the biggest though, and I can use this not just in my career, but in my personal life, I have a very direct communication style. <laughs> Disarming has taken me some work, but I think I'm getting better at it. And, and maybe Kevin can attest to some of that. I, I would agree with that. 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And, and when we talk about disarming for for our audience, and most of the people who are listening are familiar with same-side selling, but this doesn't mean taking a weapon out of an assailant's hands. This means showing up as someone who's there to solve rather than someone who's there to sell. And it's that notion of making sure that people see you as someone who's genuinely interested in their outcome. And so, so Kevin, I'm curious, what are the things in your role as director of technical sales, what do you see as a difference? Like, are you seeing a difference in sales cycles? Are you seeing a difference in size of deals? And, and you may not be, but like, where are you seeing a difference and what do you attribute that to? So I think early on when we're qualifying a prospect, we're able to determine now how serious the customer is whether we're being commoditized very early on in the process or just supplying a bid. So in our business, doing a quotation is a three or four hour investment from one of our engineering group. You factor that out across our, cu our customers in North America. That's a big time investment that we've whittled down significantly. And I think the biggest thing that I've seen that our sales team has implemented is tying in the impact conversations early on in the process. Who is going to be the one that's dealing with this day-to-day -day problem or this system after it's installed? Getting the shareholders in, but also getting the naysayers in. We want those people in the room as much as we want the positive ones in the room. So yeah. everyone's on the same page and we're, we're attacking the same problem. And, and, what, and what, sort of, what sort of differences have you seen in terms of how you did things in the past versus versus today, and you even shed some light on, you know, here's kind of the, the the way we used to approach stuff before and how it's different now. And I know it's been almost a couple of years, so you may not even remember all the things that are different. But I just right. want to get people some insight they can kind of you know wrap their hands around it and go, okay, I get it. So that's I understand where that would be different. If well, you guys I don't mind, I'd like to go back to what Kevin just said about making sure we get the other people involved. And I'm going to tie that back into disarming again, because my style was always, hey, who's the guy who's going to say no to this? Bring him in this room. OK, so that, that I fully intended that to be good for the customer. Right. Yep. Let's let's make sure that that we know exactly what you guys want. And if there's somebody who doesn't like this, let's find out why and see if we can solve that. Now I've realized that's what I need to say yeah. <laughs> instead of let's find that guy who's going to hate me. So, so, in essence, so in essence, what you're doing now is now you're saying to the client, look, in order to achieve the results that are important to you, we need to make sure that we understand everybody's perspective. So who are the people who might be most opposed to this? Because if we can make sure that we can serve their needs, then we're confident that your project's going to be successful. Instead of, hey, how do I get the naysayer in so I can get this deal? We're showing them how it's in their best interest to include those people. Is that is that where you're coming from? Well, of course, yeah. you said it a little better than I do. But yes, I'll, I can agree with that. <laughs> and I think to anchor on to that comment, I think the business world's changed. You know, more often than not, we're selling to a committee. And when we initially start conversations with a customer and we're trying to determine who the key decision makers are, the disarming phrase that I love and still use, what's the way that's most comfortable for you to get those people involved now? Rather than, hey, which, what's your role with the company and do you have the purchasing power to make a decision like this? It's very sure. off-putting. That has opened doors. Like going back to what I was saying earlier, when we initially meet with a customer, that customer leaves that initial meeting and goes and talks to three or four other people. 
that next meeting that we have and anywhere from a six to a 12 month sales process, the scope is changing yeah. because of people involved and they have an input on what the end result was going to be. Yeah. And how much time do you guys spend talking about what success looks like with the client? And I'll let you start, Eric. I mean, how much time do you spend on that aspect of the quadrants of getting the client to share in that conversation about how you're going to measure success? I would say at least half of the time. That's that's where we are. You know, it, the the issues are pretty common. I, I think we get we get the same probably just like everybody else answer the same fifteen questions all day long, right? And and we say the same we give the same fifteen answers. But where the real impact comes in is how do you measure success? What results do you need to see for this to be a successful project? Yeah. So Kevin, I'm really interested in. What sort of things have you seen in terms of average deal size in length of, of sales cycles and things like that kind of across the team? Obviously, obviously, you know, Eric's one person on the team. And I know we've heard some stories from some of the people on the team, but what have you seen over the last couple of years in terms of average or largest deal size and speed of deals? Uh, so our, our, our sales because we're a niche industry and we have a variety of solutions that we could provide, we could be anywhere from a $5,000 system to over a million dollar system. I think the impact that we're seeing is a reduction in aftermarket. After we've implemented a system to a customer, there's less issue because we have a true understanding of what their motivation is when, they, when they've reached out to us. There's no mystification that happens everybody's cut and dry. Everyone has a clear expectation of what they're purchasing and what they're installing and what issues it will alleviate. When the pandemic hit being directly tied to food and medical packaging, our, our business just took off. Our sales cycle typically is about six to 12 months. During that time frame, we were probably three to three to six, maybe three to nine months yeah. from its And it was uh, having these tools in our pocket to be able to decide to pursue or maybe walk away was a big, big savings for us. Yeah. And and that's something I'm actually curious about because we always focus on, did we shorten this deal? Did we win this deal? Have you found that since implementing same side selling, what are you noticing in terms of how quickly you decide to walk away from a deal that's not the right fit? Much, much faster. <laughs> okay. And how much. so? Like what what are you using to figure that out? Uh, I think Eric's very strong at this. So I'll, I'll, I'll turn this one to him. When we get an RFQ or someone reaches out to us and, hey, I've got two other bids uh, from your competitors, we can have a, a line of questioning to determine whether they're using us for the third bid or they're really interested. And where Eric does a really good job is swinging, if there's an incumbent provider there, finding out what they like and don't like about that provider and then using that as part of our, I don't want to say leverage, but um, uh, knowledge to provide a better solution for the customer. Yeah. So, Eric, you have opportunity for rebuttal now. <laughs> well, uh, I think, again, that goes back to my, my direct communication style. Because when I know they have one of our competitor systems in their, in their plant, it's very easy for me to say, well, why aren't you just buying your next system from those guys? You already have one. And it really is to try to get them to understand. It's because there's something wrong with that system 
or they would have just called that supplier. Yeah. There's something they want to fix. Sometimes it's a, we need an extra bid, but most of the time it's because there's something they're not happy about. And, and quite frankly, if we can't fix what they're not happy with on their current system, then it doesn't make sense to even keep talking about it either. But, and that's something that I think is like, we all living in the same site selling world, we take that for granted, right? Like, look, if it's not a fit, we just want to find out as soon as possible. Whereas I think historically people in sales are like, well, there doesn't seem to be a good reason for them to switch, but I've invested a lot of time and I'd like to win this deal still instead of having the humility to say, this is not the right deal for us. Let's go somewhere else. Like these people are just using us as column fodder to get, you know, try and leverage their existing vendor and they have no interest never switching. Effective sales is not about persuasion or coercion. It's about getting to the truth as quickly as humanly possible. So if we can do that, then we're way better off. And so, Kevin, I'd like to get your your perspective on kind of the approach that you guys took before same-side selling and maybe how things are different today, because that'll give people kind of a sense of, for starters, how big of a transition was it? How hard was it to get people on board? I mean, we're introducing change. Right. So tell us a little bit about that, if you could. Well, salespeople are fickle-minded, right? So <laughs> any change that you present in front of them is going to cause a little bit of a, a learning curve. And our team is, is very uh, proud of the fact that we have a process. So we had undergone sales training prior to joining uh, Same Side Selling, where we moved very quickly to identify the issue, but we didn't really identify the end result and tying those results into success for the customer. I think that was a step that really uh, became abundantly clear when I first saw you speak at a Vistage event, tying in the end result now and getting a clear understanding of what that is going to be makes the initial steps much more clearer. Yeah, and it's interesting you say that because it's funny because I'll, I'll ask executives, I'll say, okay, so here's this idea of this one quadrant, we talk about success and results. And just because you pay us money doesn't mean we're successful. What are we going to measure together? And people go, oh, that's a good idea. And then I ask them, okay, when you've been on the buying side, what percentage of your vendors have ever had a conversation like that with you? And the most common answer is none, right? And people will be like, I don't know, somewhere less than 1%, almost none. And then when I ask them, I say, okay, so if you had two different vendors, one who was asking about who needs to be involved in this deal to get the contract done, and another vendor is asking about what does success look like, and even if we do everything right, what would prevent you from seeing those results? Who would you rather deal with? People are like, oh, I'd rather deal with the vendor who's focused on results. Okay. Would you be willing to pay more for them? Oh, absolutely. And it's like in that instance, in that moment, people are like, oh, so that's how I sell value over price. It's like, yeah, people right. are buying results. And I think the great part about that is that by the way you guys are doing this with your clients, your clients have a sense of, hey, I'm not just buying equipment. I'm buying a result. Like, I know these guys are going to deliver the outcome that I need. It's right. not just I'm not buying a product and effort. I'm really confident in the outcome, which means even if you're not the cheapest, they're probably still fighting for you. And they're saying, right. no, no, how do, we, how do we go with how do we go with precision, precision air convey? Because we're going to get a better outcome with them than with somebody else. Right. And I, are, and I are think you noticing any of that? Yeah. If I could use an example of a customer on the West Coast who had been, we had been courting in general interest for three or four years before he got serious 
into investing in a system. And through that process, we were able to determine what he was trying to achieve and what he was looking to gain in his manufacturing facility. And we provided a base level ROI to this client, showed him with his data how our system would increase his manufacturing efficiency. Came out to be just about 12 months, just under 12 month period. He said, great, you've showed me that. Now I need you to sign up for it. So we did. Um, we ended up doing a nine month ROI on what we had originally projected as a 12 month ROI on a six figure investment. But I think if we hadn't done that ROI conversation and the impact conversation early on in that process, he'd still be dragging his feet a little bit. Yeah, that's cool. And Eric, where, where have you seen, you, know, you, mentioned, you mentioned the idea of the quadrants, you mentioned the idea of the client vision pyramid. Give people an example of like how you use that client vision pyramid to figure out what's a real opportunity and what isn't early on. If you wanna to get top results for your team, take a look at the Same Side Selling Academy. Just visit samesideselling.com to learn more. Sure, so uh, I can tell you this morning and by- oh, Eric's on the road in Wisconsin right now, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't tell, I'm in a hotel room, but you probably can't tell. That's uh, great. So yeah, this morning I was, uh, I met with a customer at 7 a.m., which, uh, you know, sometimes customers don't like to meet that early, but by asking the right questions, I had five people there at seven o'clock this morning, standing on the plant floor, looking at a machine, answering my questions because they are seeing the value here. Now, that being said, I'm not quite convinced that we're the right solution for them. One, they have their, they have a competitor system there already. Two, they don't really know if they're ready to spend the money. They're looking to, to maybe do something next year. So, and that's fine. You know, we'll, we'll meet them where they are. But some of the questions that I asked, I could see some light bulbs coming on in their heads, just thinking, well, yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not quite ready for this. I don't really know why I'm doing this. Uh, you know, there were, there were out of the five people, two or three looked like they understood the impact and the results they wanted, but the others really didn't. And I think by asking some of these questions, we're putting them in a position where they can all get on the same page. Yeah. They came to the realization that they might not quite be ready for the conversations that we need. So we said, you know, let's, let's touch base in about a month. Typically we would have set up the next call with one of our engineers. We mentioned the sales process. We have a, we have uh, processes for everything. So the next, the next stage would be get, to get the engineers, get their process started, but we're not quite ready to get them there. They're not quite ready to get there with us yet. Yeah. And, that, and that's fine. So, so Kevin, my, my question is this, some people will think, okay, if I got a team of people and I got some people with a lot of experience, some people with less experience, how receptive are they going to be to these new ideas about sales? And like, are they going to embrace this stuff? Are they going to use it? Are they going to practice with each other? What's your experience been with your team? And maybe maybe even comparison to what you've done in the past? Um, sure. Or do you just force it upon them and they're stuck with it? Yeah. And it's, a, it's funny you bring That's that it. up. When I started at Precision Air Convey, it was very clear that our process was a big part of our culture. And having worked for a few other companies prior to joining here, 
here's another sales training. Here's what I have to do. I'm going to be a hostage and, and go through it. I think a lot of what's out there on the market in terms of verbiage is dated. Um, there's not that connection to get to people to really think. We're trying to gather data, but we're also trying to get the customer to think long term. In a manufacturing environment, five to 10 years is not that far out. They're already thinking five to 10 years out, but how is this going to affect your day-to-day -day operations? Getting to the point where you can have a conversation deep enough with the customer to say, how is this impacting you as a production manager? Maybe it's a bonus for them at the end of the year, or maybe it's an extra capital dollar that they get at the end of the budget every year because of their performance. We weren't able yeah. to have those levels of conversations previously until we started using those quadrants. What's the impact? Well, if I don't get this fixed, I might lose my job. Wow, that's a big sum. So that's that's a 10 out of 10. That's something we need to address right away. But you also see the other people that are involved in those opportunities, they're shareholders as well. What's the maintenance team going to, how are they going to be affected by this installation? What yeah. do they like not like about a past experience that they had? Let's address that now because their, their input is just as critical as the person who's writing the check. I love it. And how much does your team take advantage of and get value from things like the monthly live coaching in the coach's corner? Like, is that so something we, that people yeah. like, do people, are people like, ah, oh, I have to participate in that? Or is it something they look forward <laughs> to and get value out of? And I'm okay with either answer. Well, I think uh, the week before it happens, I, I try to send you as much live scenario as we can. Something that's currently happening in our business that we can talk about openly because others might be going through the same thing. We try to adhere to the monthly schedule the first Wednesday of every month. Uh, sometimes travel schedules get in the way, but we try to, if we're not on PTO and we're not traveling, we're on that meeting. Yeah. And Eric, how about for you? I mean, is it stuff that like, what do you get out of it in terms of things that you raise and what do you get out of it in terms of what other people might raise that aren't even with your company? So overall, my opinion of sales training is it all has something good and it all has a lot that I've heard a hundred times. And I see your face. You, you probably agree with that. It, it, it's, it becomes fairly predictable. And the best part of training that I get is hearing other people's questions because then it's, it's addressing situations that we may actually run into. Uh, well, I say that's the best part of it. When I have my own questions, that's, that's the best part of it. Uh, <laughs> and I found at the Coach's Corner, the more we put into it, the more we get out of it. If, if I can ask questions, send a scenario over, I get answers. If yeah. I rely on everybody else, then maybe I'm getting something good and maybe I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's funny because people will say, oh, there's other people on. Like, how's that going to work? And I say, actually, I think for a lot of people, they get as much out of hearing someone else talk about a scenario as Absolutely. they do – direct feedback about their own scenario. It's like all of a sudden, so, like, and what I love is someone says, well, I have this situation and I know this is unique to us. And then it's like, invariably I'll ask people, okay, show of hands. How many of you are having the exact same situation with a client this week? And like 80% of the people raise their hand. It's like, oh, so it's not just me. No, it's not just you. Let's go through it. We role play it. And what's fun for me is when I get to say to people, all right, so here's the way I would approach it. Who else has an idea on how you would approach it? And now we kind of crowdsource and get other ideas, which I will tell you the first time I did that in the coach's corner, it was like, man, you don't know what you're going to get. But there's enough high performing people in the community that I feel like people kind of feed off of each other. 
and right. it becomes like, hey, we're all in this together, even though we're in different companies. And I, I really like the, as you put it, the crowdsourcing, because if I want to know your thoughts, I can pick up your book, I can listen to your podcast, right? I, I get, I get a lot of, I hear a lot of Ian all the time. So, <laughs> and that's fine, right? You're, you're the, you're the expert, but I really like hearing the other people's opinions. Just yeah. gives it a, a little bit different flavor. Yeah, I think um, when we when we made the change to same side selling, we had introduced the same side selling role play, and we put our, our own twist on it, if you will, where the regional sales guys, you know, Eric and, and his peers, would present the team a a live scenario, a roadblock they might be facing uh, with their client, and then we would reverse the role. So we would have if it was Eric's scenario, Eric would play the customer. And then we'd have another salesman play the salesperson. So you're getting someone else's perspective. And we did get a lot of takeaways from that. The whole room did. And we would challenge each other. Sales guys have some uh, crass humor from time to time. So we'd work a little humor in there, try to make it as fun as possible. But being on the receiving side of it is a totally different perspective. And you can see how you're presenting to the customer. Yeah. You know what? It's a a great approach. It's something I encourage people is uh, flip it around. If you're the person like, because it, it seems natural to, okay, I'm going to practice selling into this person as the client. When you all of a sudden see it through the lens of the customer, when you're playing the customer, you get a different perspective. And 80% of same side selling is seeing the world through the lens of your customer. And so is the other 20%. So it's like the whole thing is having that lens. And with same side improv, it becomes fun. I always laugh when people say, well, I don't know if this is working for our team because they're just all laughing and having a good time. I'm like, it doesn't have to be miserable. You can actually right. have fun and move the needle at the same time. So what's what What are the biggest takeaways? I'll start with you first, Eric. What are the biggest takeaways you have? And and you mentioned the quadrants. You mentioned the client vision pyramid. You mentioned that focus on results. What are the biggest things that you've kind of improved on in the last couple of years in the academy that you feel like, hey, this has made me better at doing things over that time. I think, again, the biggest one that I mentioned earlier was the disarming and and thinking a little ahead of things coming out. There are some people who will tell you I don't have much of a filter, but I've worked (laughs) on that quite a bit. (laughs) Well, you know what? And and, and it's interesting because people often say to me, oh, you know, this person, they're kind of, they're very direct. They kind of have an engineering or technical background. So, you know, they're not going to be good at sales. And I'm like, no, no, they just have to learn the right system because if you look in the if you look in the coach's corner, you look at the academy, more than half the people in there wouldn't consider themselves to be in sales. It's like they're people who are subject matter experts who are like, okay, I need an, I need an integrity-based approach to selling that I can feel good about. Like so, okay, this works for me. And if you asked them today and they could be the top performer in their company, it's like, what do you do? Are you in sales? No, I'm not in sales. I just, you know, I just help these companies make decisions and buy our stuff. <laughs> and that's <laughs> what they would say. So, so Kevin, in, in wrapping this up, what do you see, not just individually, but what do you see kind of across your team and how this language is building a culture at Precision Air Convey? I think that it's the integrity-based solution, right? It's the the method of aligning with the customer and really understanding what you are going to provide them and what it's going to do for them. If you're not connecting those dots, you're not going to get the sale. And it's not only a sale, it's a relationship. We 
pride ourselves in long-term mutually beneficial relationships. And I think that's even anchoring our core belief even more. Having the ability to cut through and look at the end result before we even provide a quote to a customer. Cool. And um, presumably you're getting enough results that, you know, each year when it comes up for renewal, it's not like, yeah, I don't know if we want to do this anymore. It's, it's, it, it's, it's somewhat hopefully a rounding error compared to what you're seeing. Perfect timing, Ian. I appreciate you trying to close me on the air. We just started it, by the way, I don't I don't even know where your renewal's up. So <laughs> that's the that's the sad part of it. But no, really, is it is it something here's the thing. Yes. Pe- people can people can participate and go, yeah, it feels good, but is it stuff where you can look to the bottom line and say, This is moving the needle, it's making a difference? Absolutely. We will be in the same side selling academy next year. Absolutely. Yeah, it's you know it's it's fun for me because as you see in the coach's corner, it's the same people who have been there for years. And it's like so it's funny when people ask me, they're like, well, should I join? Shouldn't I? I'm like, look, we have like an over 90% renewal rate. Um, no one's locked into it. Presumably people are getting value. We're constantly trying to figure out what could be more valuable for people. What else can we do for them? You know, we did, we just released a version that's got a whole bunch of new bells and whistles in there. And um, I'm curious what people think of that and, and how it's working for them. But, you know, we're, it's interesting. The coaches corner each month is probably my most fun day of every month is just like having this interaction with everybody and hearing what kind of difference. Yeah. You're hearing the struggles and the successes of something that you might be coming up against tomorrow Yeah, and uh, getting someone else's perspective on how they're handling it. And, and oftentimes offering, I mean, it's a community based effort. I mean, how many times have you had somebody present a scenario and four or five people are raising their hands saying, Hey, I ran into that last week. Here's what we did. And it worked. Exactly. Um, so it, it's providing a lot of tools for you to be successful. And, and in, in platforms that, you, that you've used in the past, because I'm just not familiar with everything that's out there. Do they have that type of community and that type of interaction and live coaching with other people? Some of the ones that we used in the past did have that, but it became a, it really became an opportunity for the people that have been doing it for 20 or 30 years to show how good they were. They weren't really interested and helping other people out. They just wanted to show, hey, this is what I do and I'm good at it. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I'm very conscious of that and trying to curate as, as different people come on. You probably notice the way I'll ask people questions or the way I'll ask them to participate is so that like, and there's sometimes we get people who they want to show people and all of a sudden I'm like, okay, we've already heard from you. And it's just, <laughs> and it's just because I want to make sure you're getting stuff that can move the needle. So how can people learn more about Precision Air Convey and any other parting words of wisdom that Kevin and Eric that you guys have? Eric, I'll let you start with any uh, words of wisdom, and then we'll let Kevin wrap up with how to reach Precision Air Convey and any other parting words that you've got. Oh, sure. Give him the easy part. <laughs> <laughs> you can steal his thunder. It's okay. I will say, though, the, what uh, my parting words of wisdom are, Same Side Selling Academy has lots of good tools to use. And in my opinion, using them is great. Not using them is okay. And if you don't use them all the time, don't beat yourself up over it because you'll remember the next time. That's, that's, that's a great piece of advice. Kevin? I'd, I'd say the quadrants. If there's one thing that I've valued the most, it would be the quadrants and literally the piece of paper, drawing the, the squares on there and 
you look down during the course of the meeting, if one of them's empty, you know you got to go back to it. So it's not a linear process. And with most sales cycles, especially ours, there's repetitive steps in there. You have the opportunity to go back to it. Yeah. And more often it's out of curiosity. It's not gimmicky. It's really trying to understand what success is for the client. Yeah. And I think it's a it's a really important distinction, which is there's nothing we talk about in same side selling that's here's how to manipulate your client. It's all centered around how do you ensure that your client's going to achieve success and results so you're likely to get repeat and referral business. And right. how do you not waste time on the people who aren't a good fit for what you do? And as simple as that sounds, you guys have, have grown dramatically. And I know from, from our discussions that the size of deals and the speed of deals have improved markedly just by looking out for your client's best interests. And it's right. as simple as that sounds, you know, thankfully it works. Right. And I think we're a little bit more comfortable in identifying and, and telling a customer we're not a fit. Customers or prospective clients aren't used to being told no. Yeah. And uh, there's a way to handle it. And I think we figured that out. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's funny. I mean, I I see it in my business all the time. Someone will reach out, they describe their business, what they're doing. I'm like, I'm probably not the best person to help you. And I'm sure you experience the same thing. They then spend 20 minutes trying to convince you why you are. And it's like, no, right. no, we're really not. And it's that's that element of disarming. And I think to a certain degree, at that point, they think it's a tactic. You're like, no, no, really, I'm not the best person to help you. <laughs> <laughs> and we got to figure it out. Well, I appreciate you guys sharing your story it's always insightful to hear people who are actually putting this to work and have been for a while. You guys have had tremendous success. You, you have reached the, the Jedi master stage of, uh, of same side selling. And I'm just grateful that you, that you shared your story so other people can learn from it. As long as Eric's on the dark side, he can be Darth Vader. I'll, I'll be on the good side. <laughs> that means we have to fight each other. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, Thanks Ian. Ian. Take care. Bye, guys.